I'm Major Robinson. Juanita Vero. Chris Warden. Barb Sistero. Jim Swan. Adriana Hines. This is Sherry Jarvis. Hello, this is Samuel Enemy Hunter from Lodgegrass, Montana. From Greeno, Montana. From Rocky Boy. From Virginia City, Montana. Helena, Montana. And you're listening to Listen First. Listen First. You're listening to Listen First, Montana. Hi, this is Chantel Schieffer, President and CEO of Leadership Montana. Views and opinions shared by guests of Listen First Montana do not reflect the opinions of all of our alumni or organization. We are a large group with lots of opinions, believe me. If you hear something that makes you uncomfortable, we invite you to listen deeply, listen hard, and listen first. I hope the takeaway from this reservation was that we are a very resilient people and that I believe we will succeed in whatever we put our minds to. Welcome to Listen First Montana, a podcast of Leadership Montana. I'm Eric Halverson. You're listening to a special mini-series of this podcast, all about Leadership Montana's newest program, the Indigenous Immersion Initiative. This new program takes a cohort of Leadership Montana alumni to tribal nations and other communities across Montana. For this episode, let's head to the town of Arlee on the Flathead Nation for a conversation with local leaders Shelley Fiant, Velda Shelby, and Mary Stranahan. Shelley Fiant is a participant in the 2023 Leadership Montana Flagship Program and serves as the Food Sovereignty Chair for the R. Lee Community Development Corporation, also known as the R. Lee CDC. Among her many accomplishments, Shelley served eight years on the CSKT Tribal Council, including as chairwoman in 2020 and 2021. Velda Shelby graduated from Leadership Montana in 2018, is a current member of the master's class, and serves as the Economic Development Director for the Confederated Salish and Kootenai Tribes. And finally, Mary Stranahan is a 2016 Leadership Montana grad, a physician, philanthropist, and longtime resident of the area. Mary was also the featured guest on episode 16 of this podcast. This episode was recorded in January of 2023 inside the Arlie CDC, so you'll hear a few sounds in the background of a dynamic community center. Let's start with Mary Stranahan as she welcomes listeners to the show. Hello, folks. Um, I want to welcome you to the Jocko Valley. That's really where you're at. Um, nestled in the mountains uh, to the east of us were the Rattlesnake Mountains. And uh, it's a community that is half native, half non-native. And because of that equalness, I think we have a pretty good cultural exchange, which is contrary to many of the towns on the Flathead Reservation. And I'm Shelley Fayan, a longtime resident of the Arlie and Jocko Valley. And I'm currently doing consulting work with the Arlie Community Development Corporation around food security and food sovereignty. I'm also in the flagship 2023 class of Leadership Montana. 
I'm bitter at Salish. I just got off of a four-year, two, I served two four-year terms on the tribal council, so I'm just um, recovering, if you will, from that and doing a little dirt therapy with food sovereignty and um, kind of on a little healing journey myself. Um, my name is Velda Shelby. I'm the economic director for the Confederated Salish and Kootenai Tribes. I am from the flagship Leadership Montana class of 2018, and I'm currently doing the Leadership Montana Master class for the class of 2023. I live up in the Findlay Lakes draw, uh, which is just southeast of Arleigh, Montana. So Arleigh is kind of our hub, and I'm here today with the Indigenous Immersion Group, and I've been um, just so grateful to join in and be with all of these wise people from all over the state that um, we're learning a lot together and we're sharing everything that we know about the Confederated Salish and Kootenai tribes who reside here and our other community members and neighbors, friends and relatives in this region, Flathead Reservation. I wonder if you three could share a little bit about what you're working on or passionate about here in Arlie in the Chaco Valley. Shelly, let's start with you. So again, this is Shelly Fiant. I'm working on improving food security in the Arlie and Chaco Valleys um, and improving our overall community health. This community of less than a thousand people in 2017 did a visioning session and that was one of their priorities that they identified and so we've been working since then to improve community health through locally grown healthy vegetables and food we do nutrition education um, cooking classes food preservation classes um, the community has been really responsive to those efforts and just keep asking for more. So um, some of the programs we've recently introduced was restoring indigenous foods into our everyday consumption because our traditional food systems were interrupted. Um, and so we've been doing that um, through the Arley CDC, through one of our grants. And for us, that means locally incorporating berries, wild game, um, such as deer and bison, and bone broth into our food pantry shelves to give away to people. And also the classes that we offer, um, the participants get to take home some of that food as well. <laughs> yeah, that noise in the background is um, some of the immersion participants are playing sick game which is one of our uh, traditional games and they are having fun leadership montana invited my nephew ethan to help instruct on how to play stick game and so you're hearing a lot of celeb celebratory um, camaraderie and so many tribes in the northwest have engaged in stick games probably since time immemorial and on this side of the mountains, we play a lot for actual property belongings. Tribes would actually bet horses, clothing, whatever they had. 
but in recent modern times, it came to money. So they bet money, and when you play against a team, you can double your money. So that this indigenous emerging class must somebody must be making sticks because they're cheering one another on. You keep hearing people rejoicing in there. But it was just a form of socialization, and it was a way of redistributing wealth, redistribution. So they would gather up in Buckhorn. My grandparents would go up to this area between Libby and above uh, Moy. It's hard to explain. It's in an indigenous territory, uh, perhaps right outside the state line. Maybe that'll explain it in the panhandle near Idaho, Moye Springs. There's a region called Buckhorn. And these tribes, many of these tribes, including Blackfeet people and Washington tribes, would go up there. They'd pick huckleberries, and that was their seasonal routine, and there'd be huge stick games. The stick games would go all night, but at the break of dawn, the women would have to be up picking already. So there's a there's a lot of history to it, but it's now evolved into more of a social event, and it's still redistributing wealth because people are betting money, and it's a joyful thing. It's a fun socialization, and tribes continue to do it, and I just laugh when I see this next generation still doing it because I used to watch my grandparents do it. So, yeah, hear a lot of cheering coming from there. So I'm not native, but I have participated in the wealth redistribution uh, in trying to bet at the stick games, and uh, I have never had a success. (laughs) Mary, what are you most hopeful for, for the community of Arley? I want, I love this community and I love it because of the cross-cultural exchange. It makes for my life a much richer experience. And I want to see less poverty, greater health, more self-sufficiency, and um, greater happiness. Well, I'm most hopeful for our youth. And there's a school here in our Lee and it's really an anomaly, and I wish they had that when I was a child for our generation. It's called Inkusum, and my grandchildren go to that, where they're learning the Salish language, and they're learning a lot of the tradition. And people like Shelley and her family, uh, your son is a cook, right? Daryl works at the school, and he does. your and- granddaughter is a bus driver. And my daughter-in-law is yeah. a teacher. And, and she's an instructor. So those are things I'm hopeful about because it's beyond small town values. It's actually traditional values of people since in time, you know, time immemorial. They're trying to bring back our culture. They're trying to regenerate new speakers. And that's not happening in just any community it's happening here in our lease. So it gives me much hope that we're going to have a future generation. They're going to understand the values of place. They're going to understand the values of our mountains, our environment. 
and it gives me a lot of hope to know that um, they planted this seed. I hope it grows. I hope the Kootenai community can get their immersion school. Um, it's, it's just a lot of work, but these young, bright, energetic, talented people come all the way here to Arley, bring their children, and that school has been in existence for about a quarter century or... I think they just celebrated their 20th anniversary as well. For at least two decades. So it's phenomenal, and that gives me great hope. Yes, and two of my granddaughters go, my five- and seven-year-old granddaughters, as well as my five-year-old great-granddaughter. So it's amazing to see what they do on a daily basis. They, um, in one week this spring, they went out in the field and dug bitterroot, and then came back and cleaned it, peeled it, and had a feast. And then they went out later in the week and cut teepee poles. And then they went back to the school and peeled them. I mean, these are little kids with knives. <laughs> and they just do all this experiential learning. And it's just so amazing. I told um, someone in my family, I, I hope these kids realize how fortunate they are to be you know, attending this school because like Velda said, we never had that opportunity. We had to go to public school or boarding school and that was not a pleasant experience for the most part. As a physician here, I had to listen to those boarding school stories and I, I don't think my heart ever is gonna heal from some of those stories I heard. And that's what pretty much decimated our languages um, and, you know, caused a lot of addiction, trauma. Um, but to see that coming back now is, is very hopeful. I hope one of the takeaways from your experience on our reservation is that there is such a strong spirit of resiliency and, you know, we've watched generations of our people, what Shelley was talking about, intergenerational trauma. And there has not always been a good outcome. But if you looked at the leadership and some of these core themes through our reservation, people are just so committed. And they really believe in one another. They support each other. And, you know, you might get knocked down, but a whole bunch of them, they'll come around and pull you back up and say, come on, let's get going again. And we've had some really significant losses, um, just as what Leadership Montana experienced with the loss of Dr. Evans. We've lost cultural leaders, and I mean, it's, it's been rough. Um, our parents' generation are leaving us, and they were the fluent speakers. And it's just, we, we're just, we feel like we're so challenged, and yet to see the younger generation and our grandchildren trying to assume those roles, those responsibilities, it just gives me hope because they're so resilient. And I I don't know how we do it, but we're able to help encourage one another. 
and because we believe in each other and something bigger than us, it's good to help empower our younger people. They have faith as well. So this stick gaming is a social aspect, whereas what Myrna and certain families do, those are there's a lot of religion in the traditional values. And to hear that more of our young people are starting to learn that way and participate in that, that's resiliency. Because I know through spirituality, they choose to live a different lifestyle than what, you know, the mainstream status quo or, you know, that, what do we call, often some tribes call it the red road. If you stay on a good path, try not to deviate into a world of crime or alcohol, drugs, everything in moderation, of course. But to see that our older generations have kind of carved a clear path for us, and then we had our elected officials who came in and reinforced that, I hope the takeaway from this reservation was that we are a very resilient people and that I believe we will succeed in whatever we put our minds to. As a non-tribal person, I think I've lived here well, since 81. And what I attribute, this tribe is the most successful tribe in Montana, without doubt. And I attribute it a lot to that leadership piece. You have had incredibly enlightened leadership for a long, long time. And it's what's elevated the success of this tribe to the extent it is. And bless you guys, it's going to continue. I'm so happy for it. That brings up an interesting point for me, Mary, and that's that, you know, a lot of non-Native people that also reside here, in fact, we're a minority on our own reservation, we only comprise about 20% of the total population, um, but I think that those traditions and the culture and the ceremonies that Velda was alluding to, that is what keeps us strong. We've had to go underground with those for, you know, my parents' generation um, and even my grandparents' generation just to um, survive um, and not be persecuted for practicing, you know, what we believe in. But it was so amazing to see this past year um, one particular ceremony I attended, there were so many young people and it was so exciting to see that and so hopeful that I just feel blessed for even attending myself. Thank you so much for your time here today. I'm wondering, do any of you have any closing comments, any last notes you'd like to share with listeners before we go? You know, racism is such an insidious thing. And unless you experience it, unless you feel it, the oppression, the prejudice, it's really hard to be able to just accept and that's what leads a lot of our people into getting off the red road they go down the wrong path 
because some that somebody diminished them so bad and they were so marginalized and treated less than human that they lost faith in themselves as a person. We have a lot of wounded souls. We could be doing so much more and so much better, but we have racism. And in this state, it is prevalent. That's why I joined Leadership Montana, because people like Dr. Evans, who believed in me in the MBA program, and understood that, you know what? If Indians know how to develop, become self-sufficient, they can control their own economies. Let's help them. And that's what he, he offered us. I came into the program, and we got to talk to people that we've never normally talked to. We had three legislators in our class. And they were able to come forward and say, I never understood it like that. I've never seen that perspective. I've never heard that perspective. And in the end, we're all humans. We need to be treated with dignity. So please try to give us a little respect and treat my grandchildren better than you treated me or how you treated my parents and my grandparents. Learn to love one another. Take care of each other and take care of this land. I guess what I'd like to close with is um, my mantra when I was on tribal council was to lead with love. And I think that really um, transfers over to Leadership Montana. That's what I've seen so far is people with the best intentions um, trying to make this world a better place. Amen. Here, here. Thanks to Shelley Fiant, Velda Shelby, and Mary Stranahan for that fantastic conversation. And thanks to you for listening in. If you've enjoyed today's show and want to support Listen First Montana, please tell a friend about the show or post your favorite episode on social media. Those small steps can really help us connect these stories to more listeners. Our intro is a rendition of the Montana State song by Scott Gudger, and our other music is from Blue Dot Sessions. We'll see you in two weeks with our next episode. Until then, thanks for listening to Listen First, Montana.